Welcome to episode 59 of Crave the Book. In today's episode, Amber and I cover chapters 73 through 78 of Tracy Wolf's Covet. And in this episode, we talk a little bit about the Tracy Bite Me tour that Amber got to attend, but then we dive into the chapters where Grace and Nuri are negotiating Hudson's freedom because he's currently locked down in the dungeons of the Dragon Court. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. We're back. Yay, we're back. Wood, 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 wood. I, I mean, we we had an episode last week, but we weren't technically here. So I was so sick. Yeah. And I'm so glad that we didn't didn't need to. <laughs> um I, I I was I was in bed for three days. So um yeah, Barcelona gave me norovirus. <laughs> oh no, standing in all of you. Dirty, dirty teenagers with your dirty... I don't think it was that. I think it was the airport, if oh. I'm honest. You know, when you just like, if you just know, you're like, I, I, I did have my, my suspicions about just touching things. Yeah. And also being in a plane. Like, I thought that masks were required still, and I didn't see a single person with a mask on. Mm. So, but yeah. So yeah, we had um we had our episode air. It was a bit of a special episode, and it was based on me going to Barcelona and meeting Tracy Wolf for the first time. And I was very very surprised. Um, we didn't really get to talk about it before it happened or after it happened, but uh, I was sat in, like diligently in line like a good little girl, and um, I was expecting to just get my book signed and then make my merry way home. And Tracy's wife. Steph came and got me from the queue and I was I was shocked. Whisked was her away. I was shooketh. <laughs> um, and uh, they took me into a private meeting room where there were loads of book talkers and Instagrammers and people I don't know. <laughs> you know what? It's, uh, it's probably a good thing that right before your trip, I let you know that Tracy had a wife because otherwise it would have been very odd for you to be standing in line and just some lady walking up and taking you away. <laughs> yeah, <it was laughs> Come like, with me. Amber, I, I did ask, I was like, so how did you recognize me? And she said, oh, we recognized you from your like profile picture in the wolf pack and also where you were in the queue in relation to the photos you've posted. And I said, like, oh, okay. You didn't just walk up to the whitest girl in the line then. <laughs> you you <laughs> looked especially British. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we, we went we went out the back and um, we had kind of a little Q and A, and they brought out little pastries. I was very unprepared for everything happening, um, but it was a really really great day. And Tracy, honestly, you know, you know when they say don't meet your heroes, and and like they're always going to be disappointing. Tra- Tracy was not that at all. She was the most warm, loving, caring, compassionate person, and I'm so happy that I got to meet her. And it was. It was honestly awe-inspiring watching her not just sign for the people she had allocated the time for either. So she said that she was going to sign 100 copies of the book, and that was what we were queuing for. And I was really concerned that I wasn't going to go and get a ticket. <laughs> and um, she didn't just do the, the first 100. She made sure that every single person in that line was not turned away and that they, they also got their their book signed so she must have done it upwards of 350 i think she said i think she said 360 yeah and she had done um, she had books. signed a bunch earlier that day too yep and the day before she was in madrid doing the exact same thing and then the following morning she flew at 9 a.m to paris so that woman is an absolute power horse proper little trooper 
and I think a little round of applause for Tracy. She was she is amazing and um and honestly her, watching her wife from the sidelines as well. <laughs> You're Marco um, Polo to me. <laughs> oh, Everyone deserves uh, to have a wife like her. She really does. Like that Steph, I I if I don't know whether Steph's listening or Probably ever not. will listen. <laughs> but Tracy has the most supportive wife ever. Um she was sat at the sidelines, she wasn't intervening, she wasn't trying to get her own little taste of um, fandom. She was just stood there at the sidelines, just watching her wife fly. And um, it was really quite emotional to watch. I just, I, I can imagine being in that role. I can't ever remember, like imagine being Tracy's side of things, <laughs> but I, I can imagine just turning up to an event where my husband is, is doing his thing. And I just get to watch, everyone love him for who he is and get to meet him and be in awe and just stand there just being proud and uh, yeah that was what she was and it was amazing it was a really really good time so if anybody is in any cahoots as to whether they want to go on the tour if you can do it it is well worth the trip because tracy is just the most lovely person ever and if you get to meet steph as well make sure to say hi to steph because she deserves a hello as well Awesome. And if you guys want to watch the video on the YouTube channel, there is actual video to go with it. I know the audio, um, obviously they were in a, a crowded room and my husband was able to sound isolate the audio and get rid of like all of the background noise, but it makes it a lot easier when you can watch the video with it because you can watch Tracy's lips move. Um, so if you had any trouble understanding the podcast episode, the exact same one is posted on the Crave the Book podcast YouTube channel with the video to go with it. So definitely go check that out. We would also love to see more of you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, even yes. if you even if you prefer to listen to the episodes on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you're listening to them, subscribing to the YouTube channel does help us out. And we have, I haven't made one in a while, but we do have a lot of great ASMRs. Uh, including our most popular video on YouTube ever, which is Amber's husband as uh, as Hudson, <laughs> her 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 Hudson, and my, hu um, my husband Hudson. Some of you, I think, just turn it on and listen to it on repeat because it it has it's not creepy at all. It has so many consecutive views, and I think some of you are like turning it on to sleep to or something like as a sleep ASMR. Don't blow up his ego even more. He's so happy he's, about it. He's so big-headed about it. <laughs> every time, every time we bring it up, he's just so happy about it. So maybe maybe we just need yeah. to make him do a bunch of them. It, it also helps. Um, so if you do subscribe, it also helps with our numbers. Because um, Podbean, the, the system that we use to send out the episodes onto Spotify and Apple Music and, and all of those amazing platforms... We're not actually sure how accurate the numbers and statistics are, whereas Starla is very familiar with YouTube statistics, so is able to actually kind of read the analytics a bit more. And it wasn't until I posted a poll yesterday on our Instagram that we were aware that people didn't even know that we had a podcast. <laughs> yeah. So hello if you're new. Hi. Um, and uh, welcome. We are a little bit crazy, and we apologize to anybody who is uh, foreign and can't keep up with our English. Um, we do speak quite fast, but hopefully we are quite clear in the way that we speak. We, we both have very 
uh, well, it's not received pronunciation. We both have very clear accents. Clear accents, like we we are very enunciated. Yes, um, we we don't slur slur. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of that, somebody was really somebody seemed upset um, in the episode where I said that in down down south, Louisiana and. The swamp know. people. Yeah, that the they were like, I do not think that I sound like I have a mouthful of marshmallows. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I try to explain try to explain your accent to someone. I guarantee that you can't. No one can describe their own accent. You have to go based on how other people's perceive your accent. Because it's also it's it's never going to be um, complimentary. Either. No, no. It's, <laughs> it's the same with same with British being. Oh, you sound so posh. You sound so no, so no. Po- posh British is is maybe about a sixty mile radius of the south of England. Everything else sounds like a farmer or a pirate or snooty. Um, so no, snooty. like the complete opposite. Sometimes I listen to YouTube videos of British, um, like, just video people. I was going to say YouTubers, and then I realized I had said YouTube three times in a sentence. Um, <laughs> and they sound awful. Like, I cringe. The accent is so brash. I don't know. I don't know whether that's the same for you when you listen to any British. Do they sound posh regardless? Or can you listen listen to a British accent and go, <laughs> they sound dim? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it, okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Or or if I just can't understand them, which is, yeah. that, that happens quite a bit. Um, yeah. The further north you go, the harder it is. Yeah. To, for, yeah. But keep and in then, mind that Amber and I record a lot of these. Um, mm-hmm. And it, uh, it is never, ever, ever our intention to offend. And if we do... We do apologize, but we... It's not scripted. Right. It's not scripted at all. We are literally speaking to each other through a microphone, and Stala is 3,000 miles away from me, and it's about a book and I have that to, we both love. And I have to try to explain to Amber, like, perceptions here, and she has to explain things to me from her perspectives over there, and you know what? Mouthful of marshmallows at the time felt like the best way to describe it. Uh, better than, you know, <laughs> what a lot of people just say, like, swamp people, which I would be more offended by swamp people than I would be marshmallows. See, you're corn people. We are corn people. We are the corniest corn people ever. Think of Ohio, <laughs> you, you think of corn. That's what we got. Corn, cows, cow poop. Um, yeah. Cheese curds. Cheese curds. Well, that comes with cows. That's disgusting. That's just, no. <laughs> No, um, that's like, that's like a mouse ate some cheese, pooped it out in solid cheese form, mm. and that's what you eat. But you also then roll it in dill pickle. Well, or any any flavor, any seasoning. No, you can also no, fry it. Doesn't it doesn't need seasoning. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't need to be on a plate. It's tasty. <laughs> All right. So in our poll, Amber, uh, on one of the suggestions, somebody asked if we could have a pre-recorded thing about the howl. Um, and I think that's their way of politely saying that we should make it shorter. So that's that's so much. Almost sometimes I forget. Well, firstly, sometimes we forget. 
to even say it. And uh, secondly, <laughs> it's getting boring to go woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Well, <laughs> you know what? You guys listen. You guys have listened to this podcast for a long times. time now. Yeah. 59 times. So, hey, when you hear a howl, if you haven't read to court, you should probably turn off the podcast because that's when we're going to go into court spoilers. So, mm-hmm. ooh woo. That's what you get. Do woo woo. Ooh woo woo. <laughs> that's what you get. And it'll, it'll happen about half halfway. Th- we say halfway through, but it's about full, f- like 90% of the way through. We kind of have a little bit at the end. We don't even have that many spoilers, so it won't take that long. So no, Our, okay. That is a that is a good suggestion, uh, and the person who suggested that is Emily Kendrick. One, we appreciate. And I, apolog- I apologize that Emily Kendrick zero was already taken. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, and, and I, I I think we sometimes we forget to actually ask for feedback because we <laughs> we ask each other feedback and then we sometimes we forget that people are even listening to us because we're crazy and the mind boggles why you listen to us yeah it really does <laughs> we're also very strapped for time so we don't be don't be too hard on yourself but that saves us time so therefore that That's is true. an amazing suggestion yes we will do that anywho all right. Onto the chapters. So, so <laughs> we left off with um, Grace and uh, Hudson and Flint and everybody arriving to the Dragon Court and Yuri immediately tossing Hudson in the, like, dungeon under the Dragon Court, with, which also happens to be in uh, New York City. Like, Collect right. 200. Do not pass go. You are stuck in the prison. You have to roll a double six or whatever out. <laughs> and he just doesn't. He's rubbish at Monopoly. <laughs> yeah. Or he's really good because he's apparently just chilling down there having a good old time. <laughs> he's uh, skipping his turn yeah. constantly. Um, so Grace is in this really awkward situation with Nuri where... Nuri's like, okay, anyway, now let's all go to our rooms and present, pretend that nothing happened. And Grace is like, uh, you just locked my mate in a dungeon. Screw mm-hmm. you. I don't want to go with you. I love that she angrily pretends to start unpacking. <laughs> yeah, she like hides <laughs> in her... Would do. It's like, I'm going to just pretend that I am shuffling my clothes and pretend that you, you're not bothering me by standing in the doorway and I am going to do nothing. And then, Except pretend. And then Yuri is just standing there awkwardly waiting for Grace to say something, and she doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And then and then Yuri tries to close the door, and uh, Grace is like, uh-uh, you're not locking me in here, no way. So she blocks the door, and she's like, no, thank you. <laughs> I'd like this to stay open, please. Yep. And then... Um, when Nuri does finally move away and then Macy kind of comes and finds Grace and when she goes, oh my God, oh, oh my God, I was, and then Grace immediately responds with like how many crown mouldings and things in the room there are. And I thought, is she commenting on the decor? Like, oh my God, what a beautiful room. And then I remembered that Hudson had just been arrested. 
Yeah, I've I've like, been in those awkward situations though. I do it a lot while we're recording the podcast, where I'll just like transfix on something and stare at it the entire time. <laughs> yeah, like I think I didn't know whether it was um, grounding in the way that she was trying to stop herself from having an anxiety attack, or to just try and distract herself. Which either way, I mean, to distract herself is quite a normal thing to do anyway if you're kind of stuck not being able to do the thing that you really want to do, like rescue your mate. Um, but there is an argument for maths being something to stop you having an anxiety attack. Apparently it uses the opposite side of your brain to the illogical part, which is talking about the what-if scenarios. So if you start doing maths, apparently um, it short-circuits your brain into being okay with everything. But what if math is the one thing that makes you anxious? I know. Numbers don't exist for me. So when you go like, oh, two by two plus two is, I'm like four, and they go four plus four is um, eight, and then you re- I really start struggling. Once it, once it starts to go past like the super, super simple, like, elementary school maths on oh, the same way I, I start panicking yeah and uh, I f- it makes me feel dumb oh yeah same same numbers are not a, a t- they aren't tangible to me and mm-hmm. i mean we're, you're talking you guys are listening to us not knowing anything about us but amber and i both run six-figure businesses and math still you know what that's what an nope. accountant's for like no thank you um yep i gave somebody the wrong price yesterday <laughs> we well, we work in numbers. We sell and, things um, for a living, and you yeah, don't. Yeah. I, I gave somebody the wrong price, and um, and um, she came back, with corrected me, and they went, "Yes, that's right." And, and you can see why I'm an artist. And she started laughing, and she goes, "Don't worry, I'm a bookkeeper." <laughs> and I was like, "I might keep you around." Um, yeah, no, I'm constantly cocking up with maths. It's um, it's one of my downsides too. Yeah, we don't we don't say maths. Math is the plural. We've no we don't add an s to the end here. Maths, it's mathematics. No, we just say math. Got to go to math. <laughs> Do your math. No, nope. maths. That'd be like sciences. Do your sciences. Do your social studies. Is <laughs> your theory fell apart. Fell apart. I mean, sciences. Yes, that that made sense. But then you went one step farther and ruined your own theory. <laughs> <laughs> Social studies. This is do your geologies. We actually have so one of um th- there's a there's a Wikipedia page for every single accent or dialect in the UK, and one of them is for the southern accent, which is the one that my husband has, the one that his mum has, and all of them say the plural to things that end in a vowel. So, for example, um, an idea is an ideas. I have an ideas. It's really weird. And you're just like, you're, a, you're an idiot. But it's an accent. It's a dialect thing. But it comes across like an idiot. But for, <laughs> but for my original accent, where I'm from in Somerset, they add an L on the end. So, for example, you say, oh, I have an ideal well, an ideal, and that, that's like an ideology. Like, I, that's like short for ideology. I, it's like, oh, I have an ideal. Why don't we go down to the docks and uh, we can go get a drink, uh, get some alcohol. And um, that's a great ideal, that. And you're like, what? You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
so yeah, uh, if you want to, if you want to go in and impress people in the in the dialect, just add a random letter onto the end of things with a vowel, and you'll sound you'll sound so native, they won't question it. Or they'll think, what's wrong with this person? Do they? Where's their caretaker? Do they need help? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, do you have Twix bars? Yes. Okay. I was going to say that, that was one that I wanted to point out. So Grace pulls out a Twix bar and gives a piece to Macy, which hopefully it's like the full size ones. Just, which is crazy. Like I, no one's sharing my Twix. Oh, no. That's like one of the best candy bars. I have to eat. It can, you can only really do it if it's the right temperature. The chocolate bar, not the atmospheric conditions. <laughs> They're quite good in the freezer too. That's like they had um, a whole campaign. I, I like peeling the um, the top layer off. So I do the same the, thing. The caramel and the, and then and then I chomp the biscuit bit. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody eats it normally. You can't no. eat it normally. That's sad. That's like eating a, a Kit Kat, but horizontally. Yeah, I, I peeled the Kit Kat layer by layer too. <laughs> oh no, I haven't got time for that. <laughs> um, and I do the same. I do the same with the. Uh, we, we we call them wagon wheels, but they they were like your moon pies. I think you said. Yeah. Where I peel off the marshmallow and then the biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> Grace. Yeah. Grace called. It was Grace that called it chocolate courage, right? Which is a great is the great phrase. I'm gonna start using that in my everyday language, because um, we we say Dutch courage. Do you say Dutch courage? N- no. <laughs> uh, so du- Dutch courage is when you have alcohol. No, we say liquid courage. Oh yeah, so we say Dutch courage. Uh, have some Dutch courage, and that means like you drink some alcohol to kind of boost your bravado. Right. Have that fake Ooh. fake sense of ego. Lose your inhibitions. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, we also say um, a beer jacket. Do you say beer jacket? No. Um, so that's like that false sense of warmth that you get. Oh. You know, when you see when you see teenagers walking around because they've been at clubbing and been drinking and they look like they should be freezing considering that well, it's in the minus temperatures. Teenagers like, can't. Yeah, that's fine. Teenagers can't drink here, Amber. So no, I have no idea. No. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a beer jacket. It's the, the feeling of being a lot warmer than you would be if you hadn't been drinking. Look at us the learning. We need to. We need an entire episode just on comparisons. I'm reading. Mark and I are both reading Harry Potter, but he's reading the British version, <laughs> and I'm reading the <laughs> UK version. And how different is it? Quite. Oh really? I thought that it was going to be like once uh, once every chapter there might be a different word. It's mostly the foods, but the, the, the foods. Yeah. Jello, oh. Jello, and jelly. We found that one. Uh, the the sherbet lemon is just lemon drops. Yeah, in the U.S. version. So yeah. I can't think of any other one. Sherbet lemon. But no, but the but the password is still the same. So it doesn't make any sense. They only translated when he's like eating them, picking them apart at the beginning of the book, picking them apart. Maybe it sounds more like a password. Yeah, I think because so. Because it sounds different to normal. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So Grace is really suspicious of Flint at this point because Flint, he he was all okay with Hudson. 
And, you know, they they just had Grace's birthday party, what, like, the day before, two days before? Like, mm-hmm. they, they've been getting along just fine. Not Not great. Hudson isn't, you know, clearly isn't super fond of Flint. Um, I think that he still holds a grudge against Flint for, you know, everything that happened with Grace. But Grace is all but forgiven Flint until they get to the Dragon Court when Nuri takes Hudson away. Flint is not really reacting, whether that be, you know, Grace doesn't know if it's because he's just as much in shock as the rest of them or if it's because he had some part in it and he knew all along, which we, we find out isn't true. Flint had no idea. But at the same I th- time... I think it's he's intimidating of his mother. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's it too. But I think he also is protective over her where it's like, you know, every, everything my mom says is right. And... Oh, uh, yeah. And... But also, also as a prince, if the queen declares a ruling that you don't really approve of or agree with, you can't straight up contradict her because you're undermining your not only your monarch, but also your mother. So therefore, he might have been re- referring to her as queen rather than his mother in that moment where you don't step up against your queen. Yeah, yeah. Even if Even if they're doing the wrong thing, she's still your queen. I don't I th- I think that there was I think that it's it's a tough balance because I do believe that he wants to he wants to side with Grace but at the same time I also believe that there's a little bit of understanding and he really wants the group to like you know understand how she feels she lost her son Hudson killed her son Hudson you know d- just because my brother was an asshole it doesn't mean that he had Hudson had the right to murder him but then Grace is like uh, <laughs> you mean like you tried to murder me mhm and he- yeah and and uh, to be honest that argument made so much sense she didn't flub her words a single time i'm actually annoyed at her for not you know when you get so angry that you just kind of trip over your words and say something stupid um, and then the other person kind of catches up on it and then makes you even more frustrated because they've made you sound dumb. Right. But yeah, I was expecting at least one of those. But no, she she articulated exactly how she felt perfectly. And also it made sense to everybody in the room to the point where Flint had nothing but the ability to have to agree with it. He had to just go, you are right. Like, I did. I did just assume that I was okay with you being collateral damage and a, a, a was it, what did she say? A something sacrifice, a, an appropriate, an appropriate sacrifice. Like it was, he was willing to kill her to avoid Hudson. Like he was choosing the lesser of the two evils. Right. That, that, the needs of the many. Yeah. Are, are, and and Grace said and Grace said, and I was okay with it. I was okay with that because you believed that that was what was right. However, you now know who Hudson is. And you know why he did the things that he did. And yet you are still 
not over it. You've still not moved on and you're still not being mature about it, knowing that he made the best decision that he knew how to do. And the only difference between you and Hudson right now is that Hudson succeeded and that I am still here and you failed. Yeah. Um, and uh, she kind of leaves Flint in like this like stunned silence where he's like, oh, um, and apparently he goes a really unhealthy beige color. Um, which she's like, I normally would be worried about that, but fuck him. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I was thinking about it, and if 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 during that whole fight in Crave, if Flint wouldn't have been so transfixed on trying to kill Grace as the solution, he could have killed Leah as the solution. If but she said, like, you thought that Leah was too powerful and you weren't willing to take her on, which... He didn't even seem to be offended by it, which meant that there was some element of truth to it, that he was afraid of Leah. Yeah. Grace but was Leah easier. But Leah wasn't really anyone. But yeah, Grace was easier. And she, w- she was an easier target to get rid of than actually the person that was orchestrating the whole thing. But also, he was killing the bottom of the chain. And he thought that, well, if I get rid of Grace... Leah won't succeed. However, if Leah does succeed with Grace, then I'm going to have to kill Leah to stop Hudson from coming back. Why didn't he just go for the middleman in the first place? Yeah. and he The one that was doing all of it. And he could have done it way earlier, too, and probably gotten others on board to, to help him. Yeah. And, I mean, Leah died anyway. Yeah. And achieved what she wanted. <laughs> so, like, all of it was pointless. And... I think if he had had that conversation with Grace, maybe they could have come to a conclusion together. She was very, very new in the world and probably didn't know as much as him or know the magic that actually existed. But he could have explained, look, Leah is trying to do this and you are her sacrifice. And at this point, my only solution is to get rid of you. But maybe we can work together, bring Jackson into it. Because Jackson was also a sacrifice as a part of it. Yeah. And and even Yuri kind of acknowledges all of this. Um, I, my, my question is, because during all of this, when Grace is really lighting into Flint, Luca has kind of taken a step back from Flint. He's... He's not, and which is There's not... There's a visible distance. Yeah, and that doesn't seem to be, um, you know... A, normal for his character he seems to be very clingy to flint they're they're always you know right next to each other or making contact or touching each other or flirting with each other so the fact that he's stepping back it's it's a real indicator that he's torn as well and i wonder if he would have sided with grace had nuri not let hudson go like if if it came down to you know i think he would have not because of the vampire camaraderie but because he knew that flint had screwed up right he would um, right and wrong yeah. not so much loyalties yeah there's um there's a scene and i, I literally i i've watched it before so it's, it wasn't it wasn't a new film to me but there was something that i noticed as an adult watching the divergent series um, and Triss starts to go through quite a self-destructive phase where she's picking fights, even though she would have been the normal bigger person and walking away or choosing a different way to handle it. She wanted physical pain. She wanted to get hurt and she wanted to cause hurt. 
and there's a moment in a train with um uh four and um four is holding her back and he's like like please don't start this fight we we're not going to get out of it and tris goes to land the punch anyway and you can see for making that decision in the background like i know you just screwed up and we are now in a situation where i'm going to also have to fight with you you did that for the wrong reasons and you can see his fight like oh, why did you do that like i know i love you and you are my girlfriend and i will stand up for you and i will make sure that everyone is is protected and everything but you just made the worst decision and i I'm really disappointed in you. And you can see that in his face. And I'm that's imagining how Luca was feeling when Flint stood by and did nothing. Yeah. It they're just like the oh just I love you and, and I know and I and I understand. And I understand why you're doing the things that you're doing. I know that you are hurt that your brother is dead and that Hudson is the reason for it. And I know that you can um empathize with your mother because she lost a son. However, you know more information than your mum. You know what Hudson's like. Why didn't you at least stick up for him at all? Yeah, because he could have, I mean, and Flint could have stepped aside and even been the one to go into Nuri's office and talk to her. But he was kind of content with just accepting what had happened. He he didn't really make any moves to resolve the issue at all. It was 100% yeah. grace, so... Yeah. yeah. And and I think there was also something to be said about like even that all aside, Luca probably knows that it's gonna be very, very hard to Flint for Flint to gain the trust of Grace back again. Because I'm sure as his boyfriend, Luca has heard all about how hard it was for Flint to regain that friendship, to regain that trust from her, and now he has ruined it all over again. And so Luca is probably standing back not necessarily giving distance between him and Flint, but also showing this is Flint. This is all on him. He is the one that is going to have to make amends, not me. I'm standing back and letting you two have that conversation and I'm not going to fight for either way. I'm going to stand here silently for my boyfriend as moral support, but I'm not going to help in the argument either way. Yeah. I mean, I've been in those situations before where I've watched my husband literally lie in front of people and I'm sat here like, I know that that was a lie and I'm not going to help you get yourself out of this situation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stand here as as silent support. <laughs> However, if you get me to like corroborate your alibi, absolutely not. <laughs> nope. <laughs> You're on your own. <laughs> yeah, you got yourself into this situation. You're going to get yourself out. <laughs> So uh, Nuri invites Grace into her office and she's like, okay, well, let's play. Let's make a deal because it's yeah, Grace is like, excuse me, bitch, but I'm a queen too. Yeah. Like they're, they're definitely having like a little battle of dominance over each other. Um, but, and let's be clear. Let's be clear. There is a definite winner in dominance. And I think Neri is rolling over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, Neri is going, like, sure. Okay. Yeah. Like, everything that Neri, everything that Neri said was very... Um, 
uh what's the word like it was very political the way that she said it was very detrite it was very succinct and whenever grace did make an actual point neary discussed it in her head she wasn't um mean about anything she wasn't um decisive before she'd even had that discussion with her um i mean she obviously had hudson out of the way but at no point was there a threat against him there was a threat against grace but the, it wasn't a threat of you're going to die. It was a threat of you're in my house. Don't push it. Yeah, she didn't. And she didn't let any emotions slip at all. No. So she kept. Her she was very regal. And I don't know whether you like noticed, but her husband wasn't in the room either. Aiden, no, he doesn't. I, I, but he didn't need to be. If 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 her husband had also been in there, Grace would have been offset at a disadvantage. I I'm kind of under um, the impression that Aiden is, um, and you know this comes from the bonus chapters as well. But I I I kind of am under the impression that Aiden takes a back seat and kind of lets Nuri. That's it, topping from the bomb. Yeah, yeah. He's he's kind of letting her like. <laughs> and, and it was very much like that in the bonus chapters as well when it shows how they met because I believe that Nuri, Nuri was supposed to be getting married in Egypt to some to somebody else. I can't remember who. And she like slipped away and Aiden was attending the wedding and was like getting dressed in like a little tent. Um, and she just like dove into the tent and was hiding in there with him. And he's like, uh, excuse me. She's like, you have to get me out of here. Um, but she very much ran the show then too. She, she basically, uh, she kind of seduced him, which he was, he seemed to be all for it, but who <laughs> wouldn't? Yeah. She, she was definitely, uh, the one running the show then too. And I very much get that now as well. So, um, yeah, I think every, everything that she did was a very, very clear decision. She chose not to have her husband in the room. She chose to, do, it to just be her and Grace. Um, and I don't know whether it was an element of trust, whether she just didn't trust anybody else in her circle to not scuttle back to Cyrus. Scuttle. That is not a word. Scuttle. <laughs> um and uh, she she also probably didn't want to put Grace at a disadvantage to intimidate her. I think she wanted to see what Grace was capable of. Um, and that all stems from when Grace held the comet for ages oh, and yeah. threw it and threw it at Cyrus Cyrus's face. And Neri had like this look of respect, like wow, like okay. I want to see what else you can do. And I feel like this discussion was kind of part of that, was that, like, okay, I've taken the thing that you hold most valuable. What are you going to do about it? I don't necessarily think that she was planning on giving him to Cyrus. She was kind of playing her part where she knew that Cyrus had asked her to do it and she kind of had to. Um, but I don't think she ever planned on just doing it willingly. I think she kind of did it as a test yeah because she immediately got the key out like there wasn't even really a fight which means from that, grace which means that either cyrus didn't believe that she was going to achieve it to begin with or she didn't let cyrus know 
about any of the plans at all because if he was anticipating receiving Hudson from her, she wouldn't have given Hudson back so easily. She he also would have been there immediately. I mean, yeah. how much time has passed since she arrested him? Right, right. I mean, we can all say that Nuri was the bad guy in this, like this this exact scene, but I don't think she was. I think she was very manipulative and was a queen in that respect where she was like, I will do anything to protect my people and my son. And if I have to do things that people frown upon, then I will. However, I've done it with the best intentions. And I think it was a test for grace. It was, it was a, okay, what, what can you do? Try and get yourself out of this situation. I, w- I want to see how you handle yourself. Um, and it wasn't just for her mates either. It was for her friends. I don't think Hudson was ever in any danger because the the like final interaction at the end when Nuri says, "Okay, I don't you need to go and get a mate out of prison?" Um, she said, "And um, dinner starts at eight, and I don't like people being late." Yeah, I think she always expected Grace to either fail, and then she was going to do something with Hudson anyway, or succeed in the the it was like you know when you play those games and then you go for a, a character that is pretty charismatic and you have to choose that option where you're like oh you have like 50 percent chance of success for convincing that person for persuading them to let you in i feel like she was like okay i'm, I'm gonna put you into a position where you have to argue your way out let's see if you can do it yeah yeah and and to be honest, I was pretty disappointed in Grace's argument. <laughs> oh, man. My my least favorite part were... I mean, she did say a lot of good points, but then she dropped... Very good points, she, yeah. She dropped in this whole, actions have consequences. For example, if, you know, I... <laughs> if I don't go to school today wearing my favorite top. <laughs> yeah, if I don't go to school today wearing my favorite outfit, I, will ha- I won't have the, the confidence that I need and then I might fail my English exam and if I fail my English exam then I won't get to hang out with my friends afterwards actions have consequences I'm like you're talking to literally the queen of dragons yeah of dragons of an entire court trying to convince her that you are a queen of equal um merit yeah yeah and that you should be treated as an equal and you're bringing up points about wearing a nice shirt to class to feel confident and like oh grace no i mean she does to to her to her credit she does say like these are these are little problems but little problems turn into big problems I, i understand there's like a bit of a butterfly effect there or she's saying, you know, it's the tiny actions at the bottom that lead to the greater actions. And who mm-hmm. knows, maybe maybe wearing a specific shirt one day can prevent mass genocide of a paranormal species. But I'm doubtful. <laughs> I'm yeah. very doubtful. Um, yeah. But Nuri does... But then she, she, she does. She, she makes a very good point where, like, Nuri is like... Um, are still kind of holding Hudson and saying that, well, Hudson still has to go to prison. He still has to go to prison because actions have consequences and he should go and face his crimes. But you, you don't have to choose to go with him. You can stay here. And Grace makes a very good point of like, do you not think that that was Cyrus's plan all along 
was to send the very person that could defeat him to prison. Yeah. And then Nuri goes, ah, oh yeah, you're kind of right, actually. <laughs> um, and yeah, like he is. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't think Grace has the capability of stopping Cyrus on her own. No. But Hudson has a very, very, very good chance. I mean, he disintegrated all the bones in Cyrus's body and just walked away. He could have killed him in that very moment. I'm really sad he didn't. Yeah, he should have. <laughs> um, and he knows that he should have. So that fuels it even more. But Neri's put him in prison. And, and I'm like, well, do you, do you not think that he was going to level something? But I think she was holding him there knowing he could to see if he would to see if he would yeah and the fact that he didn't maybe boosted grace's argument that hudson wasn't all bad yeah because he was just sat there doing nothing i mean he made sure that he wasn't locked in there but he stayed yeah yeah um and yeah, we, we, we find out because Grace gets this key and she like hustles down like 57 floors or whatever to go to this dungeon and she hears this like slithering noise and she thinks that she's like locked in these dungeons with a snake, basilisk. Yeah, that's what I was picturing. thing. And uh, no, but no, turns out it was guards <laughs> playing ball, Wrong. just rolling it between each other. So uh, yeah, she finds out that, um, that Hudson uh, had managed to convince the guards would like persuade the guards to play ball and they were just stuck in this trance but uh, before she discovers that she also finds that there are cells and shackles and dungeon -y kind of things that look exactly like the ones in Katmere so we now have our answer as to what they're for well we're not what they're for but we know that they were from the dragon era yeah and we we had we had speculated that since Katmere was the original dragon court and why the dragon boneyard is also there that that was likely the reason um mm -hmm. still don't know why yeah and the ones in Katmere are supposed to be like pristine like brand new then again i guess they wouldn't get messed up if they were not being used so yeah. Yeah, my God, what do they use them for? Food? I don't know. Intimidation. Unless, like, do, do, do dragons have their own, like, set of torture? <laughs> they peel their scales off. <laughs> Maybe all courts have those kind of dungeons. That's true. This is the first court that she's been to visit. She doesn't... Oh, she does see them all. No, she doesn't see the the wolves. We don't hear about the wolves having a court. I don't think they have a core. I think they have a hole. A hole in the, in the den. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, they have this kind of like pride rock kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you go to the, they take turns to go to the end and just go, oh. <laughs> so um, Grace yeah. isn't happy. <laughs> Which, no, Grace is not happy. She, she is throwing a proper little strop because she's just realized that Hudson has been fine this whole time. And he doesn't quite understand. He's like, so you don't want me to be okay? You do want me to be. I'm very confused. And um, she's just probably throwing this little hissy fit. And it's because she's been worried about him this whole time, thinking the absolute worst, going through all of the what-ifs and, and everything. And he turns out he was just <laughs> sat perfectly comfortable in these dungeons. And he then realizes that that is what, caring about someone looks like um and finding out that they are okay 
Um, and he's like, wow, if I, I, if only I'd known that this is what it took to care about me, I'd have locked myself up ages ago. And she, I love, um, I love how she's like, you don't get to pull that whole poor little rich boy shit on me. <laughs> it's like nobody's ever cared, but nope, you don't get to say that. I, I love that um, because most of the time yeah. when when especially in YA when the guy's like no one's ever cared about me no one's ever loved me and the girl's like oh you poor thing Grace is just like nope nope I don't give a shit nope you don't get to be all sad you know people you care know about we you. care yeah we, you know we care about you yeah but then the problem is he could know that somebody cares about him, but he he has only just developed that empathy where he realizes, oh yeah, well, I guess if the roles were reversed and if you were in the prison and I wasn't, I would be worrying about you continuously and I would like level the place to try and find you. He's now aware that that is how Grace now feels about him. And he's, like, going through that, like, smirky moment of, like, he feels like he's got, like, that success. And it's like, no, she's felt like that this whole time about you. You've just never been and put in the position of danger. Yeah. You've always been the one that's rescuing her out of danger. So she's not had the the outward signs of worrying about you because well, that's... the only things that have so far affected you have been, like, a mental, emotional thing. That's not, not, en- a... it's not entirely true, though, because in Crush, when they were proposing um you know they're like we are not bringing hudson back with his powers grace is really like trying to fight for him even though all of her friends are against her but she always saw him he's not been out of her sight and knowingly in danger yeah you're this right whole time like you know how like that uh, it's like the schrodinger's cat if i can't if I can't see him, he could be dead or he could be alive. So right now he's both and he's also neither. Right. Um, and she she keeps checking the bond, like, to make sure that he's okay. And she sees it as brilliant blue. But she's never seen him not be okay. Yeah. So therefore she wouldn't be able to look at the bond and go, oh, he's clearly dying or he's clearly being hurt. Or, well, even if he is being hurt, he can still put up the front with the bond to to pretend that he's okay. She doesn't know any of this. So she's just assuming, well, that's just what the bond looks like and he should be okay. But she's still worried because she can't see him. Yeah. And until she comes around that corner and she's like, oh, my God, you were here the whole time with the door open. (laughs) manacles off and just guards playing ball and even when so this is this is what makes me think about Nuri just being very very open to the fact that that he was always meant to escape or whatever when he wakes the guards up from their trance they don't immediately go hey stop seize him they just go oh yeah okay (laughs) which is just kind of confirms my hypothesis really because what kind of guards would wake up from like this weird magical trance where they've been playing ball on the floor and they see that their prisoner is out of his cell with no manacles from their queen and then then just gonna be like okay cool yeah you can walk out carry on because they just just walk out they do just walk out yeah and the guards are completely okay with it but yeah but there is a moment where Hudson starts backing Grace up into like a corner 
because he's realized that she cared about him and she's struggling with her words. She now starts to flub her words where she's like, um, and you, you know that we care about you and you know that like, now I have a, uh, and he's like, oh yeah, you, now you have a what? Mm-hmm. A mate? And he starts doing that challenge. I'm like, please, for the love of God, let that be me. Please back <laughs> me up into the corner of your dungeon. Grace is just not grateful at all in any way, shape or form for that one scene or any of the other scenes where he intimidatingly pushes you into a corner. I want that i want that so bad (laughs) (laughs) and she just doesn't appreciate it she's unappreciative of hudson husband hudson husband that's okay it's okay it's okay you will be you will grace will get her 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 redemption i need you <laughs> Please back me into a corner. Why? Just do it. Just okay. Do it. <laughs> start start and then he'll start like pointing out, oh, there's cobwebs in here. There's cobwebs and there's a cupboard door in the way and, and you're gonna get like the bruise on the back of your, th- your thighs where a corner of the furniture pushes into you. It's ever just no it's never like fantasy, is it? Oh well, I mean, mine is, but I'm usually like I'm the one who's thinking, like, I'm like, wait, no, don't. Oh, I don't want to be, no, don't, not on the floor. There's dog hair down there. I'm wearing my favorite black <laughs> jeans. Stop it. You know, you know the scenes in the TV, um, like movies and everything, where, like, the person just swipes everything off of the side so that they have a completely empty table or whatever? I'm like, and that's never happened to me. Does that happen? Does, do people do that? Yeah, but uh, then you... But I don't want to break anything. Yeah, that's that's the thing. And... Normally, it's like pieces of paper. It's never anything that's like Important. is good smashing noises or anything. It's just like bills. <laughs> right. It's Court of Thorns and Roses. I won't go into details because I know that a couple haven't read it yet. But uh, like chapter 55 and all the paint. I'm like, oh, no. Ew. Ew, no. That's just a mess. That's messy. And it's sticky. Sticky. Getting it I everywhere. don't like sticky. Messing up the table. <laughs> Are you ready for spoilers? Yes. All right. Ah woo, ah woo, woo, woo. Um, I think they're both yours because I could not, for the life of me, think of anything. Okay. Um. So there's d- during Neri's kind of speech. Um. She said, "Or oh, like, ask me again what I want." And Grace goes, "Like, okay, what do you want?" And she goes, "I want to make sure that I'll do anything so that my son survives." And at the end of this book, like, obviously Jackson does the same. He'll do absolutely anything to make sure the Flint survives. And I think that that is a precursor to why she gave her heart to him. Was just because the the one thing that she wanted to make sure that, like, did not happen was that her son dies. Yeah. And she wasn't there. And she wasn't able to stop it. And the one person that did stop it gave his life for it. And uh, I think I think that that was just a little kind of foreshadowing moment where Flint was always going to die for that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and then there was a, another note that I made and it was um, that when Hudson explains how he gets out of his cuffs all the time was that he just disintegrates the rune right before they click it 
Yeah, which makes me think that that's what he did outside the Bloodletters cave. Outside the Bloodletters cave, when? Yeah, because he's he, he kind of just pretends to follow the through with the hand motions that Jackson kind of explains, but I think that he did it, he did it to just pretend and actually just deleted the runes, <laughs> and that's why she was angry. Okay. Okay. Because it wasn't just a unlocking the door, it was a he took the door off the hinges and moved it to the side. <laughs> and, she's, and she's like, now I gotta put the door back on. Ugh. Um, and it also makes me wonder because he's able to do that and he's able to just kind of disintegrate specific runes. Um, it makes me wonder whether the cuffs that get given to him in the prison, I'm wondering whether a demigod was in the background of its creation. Um and the runes that are on the cuffs for the giant and for the unkillable beast was something other than the normal magic that is like available in the world. Because maybe there wasn't a rune at all and it was just made out of chaos magic or order magic. Because they're clearly stronger than just the general ones that are yeah. at Katmir. But the blacksmith apparently made all of them the super strong ones and the not so strong ones but they use earth magic to do it and earth magic doesn't necessarily come from just the normal kind of witch magic does it it, it, it comes from something else yeah i'm wondering whether hmm. there was like uh, so so we've, we've obviously got um the blood letter and the crone and then we've also got the time dude time dude <laughs> Jack Jan Juja something. I don't remember his name. Um, and I'm just wondering whether there was a th like a fourth one that we haven't met yet. We've, well, we've got chaos, order, and time. Time. And then we've Tracy hinted, and I would only know this because of the interview that yes, you got. Yes. But she hinted that there is another bad guy in Charm. And here all this time, I thought that Charm was going to just be Grace and Hudson kind of hashing things out and, and getting to know each other. But in reality, apparently there's a big bad guy. And we talk about um in Cherish. Who apparently Tracy is Tracy's favorite villain. Yeah. So maybe there is a fourth on there. So we've got Chaos, Order, Time, and then we've talked about like the shadow realm and sandwiches and sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of something random that is like, well, what else could it be? I don't know. Sandwiches. The God of sandwiches. Chaos, chaos order, time and sandwiches. <laughs> That's the, what, other, what, what other demigod? The demigod of sandwiches sounds like an amazing person to me. That's my life. Chaos, order, time and sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that's that just sounds like a normal Wednesday to me. Chaos, order, yeah, time, and I'm sandwiches. hungry. I'm hungry. Mm. All right, well, guys, thanks so much for listening. Um, how many? How many days is it until until Cherish? Charm, charm. <laughs> <laughs> I run um, the uh, the successful podcast for <laughs> Crave the Book, and uh, still don't know the titles. They all begin with C. Also, spoke to a Span Spanish person in the queue. Um, her name is Berta. Uh, shout out to Berta if she's listening. And um, she said that all of the Spanish titles begin with A-F-A-F. -A -F, which I thought was funny. As fuck as fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I 
That's what I thought that was really funny. Um, I, so I don't actually know what the next one is called, but I'm hoping it begins with an A because then we can continue the tradition. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. That affa, takes affa, affa. that takes that takes planning on on too many layers because mm-hmm, Tracy mm-hmm. has to make sure that the names match up in multiple languages. <laughs> yep. But yeah. Um. So it, when when is it when does it get released? Uh, I'm not sure. It's November something. So we're we're only a couple weeks away. Um, and then we also got the announcement from Tracy that there is going to be a Calder Academy, which is awesome. Eep. That clearly means that Remy is running his own school for delinquents. Um, that he's he'd be a bet much better headmaster. Yeah, than Uncle Finn, and he's likely named the school after Calder because you know reasons. <laughs> <laughs> um. So that's really exciting. I'm 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 glad that Tracy is going to expand upon the universe rather than you know the same characters over and over and over again. Yeah. I like I I I love I love Grayson Hudson. However, story arc sometimes has to end and the spin-off sometimes can be better. Like for example with Feyre and her story as much as it was it finished I now want to know more about Nesta. Oh, because yeah. Because Nesta and Cassian's story was just way better. Oh, I, I completely agree. And I'm, I and still don't care. And I didn't want to read it. I, I didn't, I didn't, I was like, I don't care about Nesta. Same. I really, really don't. And, um, and when you started reading it, you were like, this is the best one out of the series. I was like, oh, I'm going to have to read it, aren't I? Because you hate and, um, her. And now, yeah, because you hate her and you now realize who she is. But now I really don't give a shit about Elaine. But maybe we will. Exactly. Like, I'm curious to know, like, how can we... However, I love Remy, so therefore, yes. you know that I'm going to be reading the book. Yes. But, like, if there was a spin-off about... And actually, no, I, I don't need to hate someone. I need to have complete apathy towards them. So I would absolutely read off a spin-off about Cole. Maybe he'll be... But if, I, we, ha- if we had a spin-off about... What was Macy's boyfriend when we first started? Cam. Cam. If there was a spinoff about Cam, I'd be like, Ugh. yuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll realize why he's such a douche. Maybe. Maybe. All of the characters that we hated, especially since we found out that Tracy based uh, Cole on a student she had that she <laughs> didn't like. <laughs> oh, yep. That's so funny. I don't blame her. I don't blame her. You've got to put these people in your life and you've got to kind of outwardly get rid of your frustrations oh yeah 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 absolutely (laughs) sometimes brutally (laughs) but anyway we will speak to you next week on wednesday again as usual and hopefully we'll have re-recorded a a thing because that's a great idea and you won't have to listen to us stumble (laughs) through explaining how to how to listen out for howl anymore all right guys thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week Bye bye bye